When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, at the end of the day, football is football. All, all, all Patriots, all, all the time. Ooh, that, that's spicy. All, all Patriots, all, all the time. Welcome to, 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 to First and Foxborough. Oh my goodness. Somebody went, messed around, and gave your boy his own show. Patriots fans and football fans of all 32 NFL teams out there, if you're listening, welcome to your new favorite daily Patriots podcast, First in Foxborough, sponsored by Odyssey. My name is Kyrie Thompson, Patriots beat reporter for WEEI.com, and it is my honor, my privilege, my absolute delight to talk football with you every day. You can follow me on Twitter at KDThompson5, on Instagram at KyrieDT. And then you got the show accounts, First in Foxborough, the F-O-X-B-O-R-O variety, of course. Got to keep it local. You can follow that account on Twitter and Instagram as well. Subscribe, download, listen to this podcast on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts, of course. I will be your eyes and ears at Gillette Stadium all season long, keeping tabs on those New England Patriots and everything else that happens around the NFL. I'll be interviewing players and media members spitting facts, dropping science. I did used to be a scientist after all. That That's actually not a joke. Not entirely anyway. I'll be bringing you this podcast. I'll be appearing on WEEI's radio shows and our other brilliant football podcast, Six Rings of Football Things. Make sure you check that out as well. And I'll occasionally be coming through your radios and smart speakers for multiple hours at a time on the weekends and occasionally on the weekdays on WEEI. I was actually serving a weekend doubleheader this week Filling in for Andy Hart, one of our other Patriots guys at WEEI.com of the Six Rings of Football Things podcast, and hanging out with Rob Bradford, our Red Sox guy at WEEI as well. A lot of fun. If you like that, keep your ear to the ground or to the sky, whichever you prefer, to see when I'm hopping on WEEI. Look, man, pass the hand grenade. Let's get to it. We're still in the dead zone as far as NFL action goes and news is concerned, except for the occasional trade like Baker Mayfield going to the Carolina Panthers. We've been waiting on that one for a little while, but right now we're still kind of in that holding pattern waiting for training camp. It's coming up in about 16 days as of right now. So close. It is so close, people. So we're, we're all just, we're pumping out content. We're just trying to make it to the finish line here. Weirdly enough, the Patriots are a team that, that just keeps on giving everybody things to talk about. You've got Mac Jones coming into his second season, expected to take this leap, and yet is somewhat still under the radar compared to the rest of the NFL quarterbacks, as well as, honestly, a bunch of the other quarterbacks that were in his draft class last year. He easily outperformed all of them. But people are saying Trevor Lawrence is going to take a bigger leap than him. Zach Wilson might. There have even been some like sneaky MVP predictions with him. Like, I don't know about all that. But then you've got some people saying that they think that he's going to take a step back because the offense and the offensive coaching staff will hold him back. 
You have Bill Belichick apparently ready to give play calling reins to Joe Judge or Matt Patricia. Speaking of offensive coaching staff, those are two guys who've never done this job before. And it's got us over here locally and nationally wondering just what in the world is going on with this operation. But on top of that, You have a defense that's kind of in a rebuilding mode and struggled last year much more than I would say the offense did or even than the offense is going to this year potentially underneath all of that. And then, of course, you have Josh Allen, who is an MVP candidate in your division playing for the team that just won the division two times in a row in the Buffalo Bills. Not ideal. So, I mean, I've heard it from both sides here. Is this team going to compete for a division title? Or are they just going to win six games next year and blow it all up next year? I have no idea. And in fact, at least to me, this year feels like the last two post-Brady Patriot seasons. You don't really know what is going to happen. When you had Tom Brady, you more or less knew that you were going to make the playoffs, you were probably going to win your division, and you were going to be a Super Bowl contender, even if your teams were in varying degrees of, of actually being good, right? Obviously, you had a team that had a perfect regular season that was expected to win the Super Bowl. You had other teams that they get hot at the right time, and then the next thing you know, they're in the Super Bowl and they're winning it. So there was a level of stability there that is just not quite there yet right now. Obviously, you had the Cam Newton here. Then you had Mac Jones winning the starting job last year and taking that team or helping take that team to the playoffs as a rookie, but he was still very much, you know, had the training wheels on for a lot of the season And it was a defense, special teams, run the football oriented football team. This year might be different because this is Mac Jones' second year and he's going to be asked to do more. You could see that already during minicamp and training camp, the fact that I think he's embracing that going into this season. This offense is his. Now the question is, how much can he elevate it? So to try to make heads or tails of all this, I decided to chat with a guy who has seen it all during the Belichick tenure here in New England, who was here in the days before Brady and is now trying to make sense of the Patriots world with the GOAT playing elsewhere. And that man is Tom E. Curran, Patriots insider for NBC Sports Boston. He hosts Quick Slants on the Tube and is one half of the dynamic duo behind Tom Curran's Patriots Talk podcast, along with fellow NBC Pats insider Phil Perry, who, you know what, I'm going to manifest it right now. Phil, I'm going to get you on this show. Book your calendar. Hit me up. Let's see what works for you. Back to the matter at hand. Tom was literally the first person I saw when I got out of my car for my first Patriots OTAs last May. We hit it off and and we're chatting it up all throughout spring practice and training camp. We had a lot of good conversations about what we were seeing. He's been great to the young beat writers and reporters coming up around here and is a wonderfully colorful dude to talk ball with. I did just that for about 20 minutes to kick off episode one of this podcast. Once again, trying to get an idea of what this Patriots team is going to be heading into training camp and heading into the 2022 season. I don't know if I got a grip on it yet. Okay, I really don't because I think this team is underrated in terms of offensive personnel, extremely underrated in terms of Mm -hmm. offensive personnel. And I think there's some eye-opening Guys that they added last year, Bourne, Myers continues to play better. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson was a great add. I think they're going to get better with Johnny Smith. Hunter Henry was a – he was everything you hoped he'd be. 
Plus, Mac Jones is, is extremely capable. So I did a little exercise this week looking at the top 20 AFC skill position players. 20 of the 27 of them were Patriots. Now, people can argue with that if they want and find, okay, Jamison Crowder shouldn't be there or Gabriel from the Bills should be and take this guy. But the, the upshot of it is they're very deep on offense. If I did the same exercise on defense, I don't know if I'd have more than three guys, okay? Really don't. It'll be Judon, McCourty, and maybe Barmore. So my assessment of this team is it's got a very good and capable offense, but I don't know who the pilot is. It's got a completely renovated defense that was not good, i.e. actually bad at the end of last year, and they may have gotten worse. But you have capable defensive coaches, I think. So hard to, hard to pin it down, man. Yeah. And you know what? That's actually, I did, I did a positional breakdown a couple of weeks ago. And that yep. was, that was basically what I found. Like the, the best position groups were on offense. And, and I've heard people be like, yeah, compared to uh, other teams in the division, like their skill groups are abhorrent. And I'm like, not really. I'll tell you what though, their cornerback and linebacker rooms got me scared, but their safeties, nobody's got safeties like them. No. See, funny. And, and I think that's their best position. group 100%. overall. To me. Yeah. I mean, we forget about Adrian Phillips. Um, but you got Duggar, you got McCourty, you got Adrian Phillips, um, and you have great versatility back there too. And now you got your real preppers in the mix too. If he's correct. healthy, can you build a defense around your safeties? Because now I feel like a lot of what you might see is going to be like, you know what? We're not even going to bother putting linebackers on the field at certain points. We're literally just going to go with four safeties and three corners. I expect that to happen a lot more this year than, than I think we've ever seen. Think about that then. If that's the case, what advantage does that give them? Because Bill does spend time looking at the upcoming schedule and his opponents. What advantage does that give them in the AFC East? Check it out now as, as we think about this. So you're going against Miami, not a power team, a team that has Hill, Waddle, and Jasicki, who's a glorified slot. But they don't have a Ramondre Stevenson or a Damian Harris, which is where Bill has zigged on offense. So there's there's one team you can see the matchup idea of we don't need Hightower chasing Raheem Mostert around. Let's go Bills. Singletary's their lead back. They added somebody else they had. Yeah, they drafted James Cook. So little guys, generally, they're not going to beat the shit out of you. Uh, their wideouts are. Yeah, and they got Diggs. They got Isaiah McKenzie. He was the guy that was killing yep. Miles Bryant up and up, down, and all around Dawson last Knox year. Is not. Dawson Knox is not a specimen that's just going to post people up all day. So it's interesting when you look at the personnel that Bill has gotten defensively. I mean, remember he had to have Eric Rowe, wanted to have Eric Rowe because, or, or tall corners. Reason they drafted Jawan Williams was because like, okay, we're sick of watching these six, three receivers come around and we don't have an answer for him. Let's go get a six, three corner. Well, it didn't work with Williams. At least Rowe was not horrendous, but it's interesting to see the way they have built that defense personnel wise to maybe carry things out the way, you know, you're explaining. And I think we all are feeling that they might be a two linebacker defense, but if you're running a four, four, seven. Yeah. Well, right. And see like that, that's the thing, right? It's like the, we talked about the, the big brain, like super fast linebacker, you stick in there going sideline to sideline. And they just said, no, we're cool. And, and, you know, oh yeah, we could use a first round corner who can, you know, carry on that tradition of lockdown guys. No, nah, we'll go with Malcolm Butler and like Jack, 
Jones, right? Like that's what we might be looking at is Jack Jones potentially getting starter style snaps at some point. And what's interesting about him is it's not just a JC Jackson ball hawk. It's an Asante Samuel type ball hawk. The numbers, the measurables, all that stuff are really similar. The instincts on the field, the understanding of what he's looking at and the aggressiveness to attack it when he sees it. The They've had two different types of corners. They've had the Revis, Tlaib, Gilmore kind of corner who are angular technicians. And then they've had the ball hawk corners who are Samuel, J.C. Jackson, and Malcolm Butler. So now they have ball hawks. I don't know what they're going to look like on defense. It's just totally, totally different. But I do know, and you know, and everybody listening to this knows that by the end of the season, they were embarrassingly bad on defense. Not just what happened in the playoff game, but what happened in the second to last meeting with the Bills, what happened against the Dolphins. I mean, you're falling behind 20 to nothing against these teams. Can't have it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so with, with him, right. So he was just abusive towards like Christian Wilkerson on one snap that just had me being like, wow, this guy's mean. You know, and and then he generally just isn't out of position much, which is really interesting for a rookie. So, I mean, I, I, I feel like, again, you've got Jalen Mills and, you know, Malcolm Butler loosely penciled in there. But if he keeps playing like this, there's no reason that he couldn't potentially like start and end up being a contributor. I mean, we saw it last year with and I, I know it's a different position. Right. But we, we saw it with Mac Jones. Right. And, and even like Ramondre Stevenson, as the year went on, he's probably a better example. Christian Barmore, too. Once they proved they were the one of the best players at the position, they were playing like that's yep. it. And there's opportunity there. Look, you wouldn't have seen Jack Jones sniffing around a starting position two years ago when Stefan Gilmore and Dev- Jason McCourty. I'm not sure if Jason was still here in 20. Maybe not. But you wouldn't have seen him sniffing around a starting position in 19 when JC Jackson was coming up and stuff like Gilmore was here and Jason McCourty was here, but you know, necessity might push him into the lineup sooner rather than later. And what will be interesting for people to see about Jack Jones is he's slight. He's not a big guy. What also is going to be interesting for me to see as this season plays out is when the Patriots parachuted out of their initial pick in the first round and they trade out, Every single player who came off the board, including two in the AFC East, were defensive players. Jermaine Johnson, um, Kair Elam. Yeah, he was a guy I wanted. Um, who's my guy from Washington, the corner? Without Trent McDuffie. Yeah. That's correct. And Trent McDuffie. So these are all defensive players that could have addressed positions the Patriots were perceived to have needs at. Kair Elam, tall, angular guy. Jermaine Johnson. Patriots don't have what I would consider a, a potent pass rush right now. Judon had a very good first 12 games or so, and then either wore down or they figured him out or he just, it just wasn't a good fit. I have confidence that he's going to be a good player for them over the balance of his contract, but he closed the season not great. So they didn't want to go corner. They didn't want to go pass rusher. They wanted to go guard to address a position that they created the vacancy at. Yeah, and I think that that's one where... So that's what's distressing. Just to finish that, that's what will be distressing if and when Jacoby Brissett gets a hold of him in week six and throws for 378, you're going to be, why'd you do that? Yeah. And, that, and it's like, yeah, how did Cole Strange help you with that? And, and I think that when you look at 
now it's like, okay, sure. You can, you can make the financial argument that, uh, you know, okay. Trading Shaq Mason and throwing in Michael on when like, if you think you get a better value, like, sure. Like you sure. could maybe make that argument, but then like, we're talking about, okay, yeah, let's use a first round pick on Cole strange to like replace Ted Karras. Like, okay, maybe, you know, from a talent standpoint that works, but you had so many other things that like you could have potentially done at that spot that it, it's completely understandable why people are mystified by that. I was yeah, mystified I mean, by like, it. Why were the Patriots home for the second week of the NFL playoffs? It wasn't because they didn't have an offensive guard. It's that simple. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. So what, let, let's switch over because because I mean we, we've definitely naysayed the defense a little bit. Let's go to a little bit of, of offense here. So we had fun last year after basically every training camp practice, yep. picking around with like, okay, is Mac Jones really going to do this? It's a, I felt like we were almost at points like trying to come up with reasons that Cam Newton was going to keep his job. And at some point towards the end of it, we were just like, I don't know, man. I think Mac Jones is really going to start. And then boom, the bombshell drops. And not only did, did he start, he played as well as any rookie quarterback has, at least in the last like decade or so right sure. there are, I mean, there are a couple could, that you put over him but he's but he's in that upper echelon of rookie quarterbacks yeah you could say justin herbert outplayed him you can say shit maybe andrew luck in 2012 outplayed him and i'm sure there's other They're like Dak prescott there. yeah, for, yeah for a rookie season exactly yeah. prescott's a good example but i don't know if anybody had to negotiate the incline that mac jones had to and i've talked about it before and i think it's part of the reason he hit the wall physically by the end of the year Go to Alabama, be the first time around as the starter there, win a national championship. We, okay, immediately start preparing for the combine where you're a borderline first round pick. Play well, you know, perform well enough at the combine and all your pro days to be the 15th overall pick from the Patriots. Okay, stressful as shit. Now you're with the Patriots, you know, you're going to be, you know, in 700 level football and competing with an MVP. So now you have that mental stress too. It's not walking in like Zach Wilson and they've already cleared the runway for you. You have to beat the guy. Yeah. You could lie and be like, Oh yeah. Like, uh, you know, Mike White's really going to push Zach Wilson. No, he's not. Right. Come so on. go beat Cam Newton by being better than him every day. It wasn't Cam Newton rolling over and being a complete inept, completely inept. Right. That, that Cam Newton wasn't, he wasn't terrible. Like nope. he was, he wasn't spectacular. He had one really good day. And then the rest were kind of like, eh, you know, but, but he wasn't, he wasn't awful. Mac Jones was just better every, and it was every day incrementally every day. If Cam was a, if Cam was a, a an 81, Mac was an 88. If Cam was a 74, Mac was a 78, you know, day in and day out. I just don't know how many days Cam won. So by the end of it, that's when it kind of came clean. You know, I remember talking to people within the organization who were, you know, involved directly with the decision. I said, is what I'm seeing actually what's going on? And I was told, yep, it is. That's what's happening. Where we all see it. Yep. We all see uh, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I, rem I remember the column. We all see it. And you, you use that a couple of times. But yeah, like in the end, right, It's it was really as simple as that. The, well, I think this guy just played better, so we're going to play him. And, yeah. and, and to kind of draw... From that to now, I, I mentioned it to people that I think that, you know, I mean, obviously like Mac Jones is miles ahead of where he was last year, not just in terms of like, oh yeah, I can run the offense now, but his aggressiveness, 
the the way that he is approaching playing the quarterback position. I'm talking about like this time last year, right? Though mm-hmm. I also think that he's he's even playing a bit differently than what we saw him at the end of this past season. I mean, the it, it, yeah, the arm strength's a little bit better. He's a little leaner and like all that stuff. But but you're not. He's not all of a sudden like a, a demigod, you know, physically. He's not throwing the ball 70 yards on a clothesline. He's not Josh Allen, but he is playing like a guy who is in full control and who knows he's the dude and and believes that he can take a step forward. What are you seeing? That and what I remember seeing over the course of time, being lucky enough to cover the league, especially covering Brady and just, you know, really absorbing virtually everything uh, about the guy. Cause you knew he was great. And we had a great year, the first year covering Mm -hmm. him in 01, you know, to feel as if he was beating out Bledsoe in that camp to feel as if by the end of that camp in 01, that if that, that really the better player was Brady to have Bledsoe get hurt and to be a person who was saying Bledsoe might not ever get his, actually I said, he won't ever get his job back. And he did. And to see it pan out that way. I feel like, okay, I know what I'm looking at. (laughs) I've seen this. Yeah. In that second year, what I found so fascinating about Brady was Brady had set his career high for picks matched when he went to Tampa, but that's a different lifetime because in his second year, Kyrie, he really worked or he didn't work. He really experimented in finding out what he couldn't do. Year one was about our hands at 10 and two, do what Bill wants, do what Charlie wants this year. You know what? I'm pretty fucking good. So I'm going to start to throw it around a little bit the way you might not expect me to. I'm going to try these things. I'm going to try and fit it in. And he had games where he had some significant mistakes in his second year. Um, I think Mac is going to probably follow the same track. Okay. There's going to be times where he's trying to throw things into areas that he's going to say, you know what, that wasn't, that wasn't a terrific idea, but I had to do it. You've probably played a little golf here and there. Yeah, you try shots, you try clubs in, in certain yeah. situations. So you're just like, let me just see if I can do this. Yeah, I know if I hit this perfect, I'm right on the green. But you probably have a 20% chance of hitting it perfect because you don't play all the time. I got and less. I, think I, got, is, I got like a five. <laughs> I think Max going to be, there's going to be occasions where he does that. But in contrast to Brady, which is something that Edelman pointed out in a recent podcast and that I actually hadn't heard Edelman say that I agree with, there's much less safety net for Mac Jones because of the defensive situation we talked about. You can't be going three and out with a defense like the Patriots might be trotting out there for a little while until they figure out how they're going to play. You can't be turning it over at your own 44 and thinking that JC Jackson or Stefan Gilmore or Dante Hightower or Kyle Van Noy or Teddy Bruschi or Mike Vrabel are going to save your ass and force a field goal. You have to play carefully. So the onus is going to be on Mac to play that way. I'm going to have to jump off quick, but I want to ask you this, because this was really interesting to me. Minicamp is minicamp. And I don't get very hung up on it because to me, it looks like basically captain's practices. And the installation is hard to really divine because, you know, they're just doing the shit. And Kyrie was sitting there and he goes, how come they keep running all these outside runs? I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> He goes, they're running outside all the time. I go, Phil, are they running outside all the time? Because yeah, they run outside all the time. So Kyrie kind of lit a match on a conversation that Phil and I continued to have on podcasts. If they're running outside more, which they practically didn't do at all last year. Yeah. Phil and I are starting to wonder, Kyrie, could the change in the offense be a strip it down, 
take 55 pages out that Josh added that only Tom Brady understood and start running a little bit more like the Shanahan offense. Yeah. And you know what? I was just talking with Evan about this, uh, Evan Lazar, uh, you know, other episode, ha 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 tease that. Um, but it, it's kind of the same thing that like, yeah, you see them kind of spamming this over and over again. And I mentioned to you, and I mentioned this to Phil also about uh, Matt Patricia employing uh, Daryl Bevel, who ran tons and tons and tons and tons of outside zone with Marshawn Lynch in Seattle. Right. And, and it's like, that's not necessarily a guy you think of as like an outside zone running back. Right. You mm-hmm. think of that guy as get downhill and right. pound you with powers and gaps. But they ran outside zone with him all the time. And he was really good at it because he had feet and vision. Right. And you've got some makings of that in your running back room, even if they're not all. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like Damian Harris is a one cut guy. Get up the field and go. Ramondre Stevenson's feet and and his contact balance and all that. I love it. I love it. I love it. And so to me, I do think this could be a situation where, you know, Devin McCourty joked about it. Like when he when he talked to the media before we we all broke, he'd look over Josh McDaniel's shoulder at the play call and be like, why you got to say all this to call one play? Right. And, and it's essentially like, look, Josh McDaniels isn't here. Tom Brady's not here. They built that offense together, you know, over two different stints over like 20 years. So it wasn't a big deal to Tom Brady to be like, oh, yeah, you add another term. Who cares? Like, or maybe he was the, the driver of it because he, he knew that offense like the back of his hand. This is a different situation. So you got some new guys, even like a Taekwon Thornton, that maybe he'll be on a pitch count. But if you simplify things and, and it's not like, oh, yeah, we're going to run a JV offense, but you right. simplifying things a little bit, maybe gets him on the field faster and makes him more useful quicker. And Mac Jones is like, you know what? I got this. I know where I'm going. And, and, and you know, we can play fast. That's something that he mentioned playing faster. So to me, I think that you know, not only like, can he succeed, you know, can the running back succeed and, you know, maybe you get more, um, you know, those play action kind of rollouts and things, but Mac Jones can do that. If Matt Ryan, if Matt Ryan and Jared Goff and Jimmy Garoppolo could run boots and run those outside zone play actions, then Mac Jones can do it too. And so I, I think that it might actually be beneficial, even if they don't go all the way in that direction to do more of it gives the defense more to think about. It takes advantage of skill sets, in my view, that you didn't get to see Damian Harris sprinting around the edge. That dude can move with the ball in his hands. You didn't always get to see Ramondre Stevenson get to cut it back against the grain with, with those um, jump cuts and his make people miss ability. So I would love to see more of that. I think that, you know, in the end, the base might still be just about the same, but incorporating more and being more versatile, keeping teams guessing, especially if you think your offense is more good to, you know, as opposed to elite, giving mm-hmm. more teams more to think about having a receiving core that maybe is, a, you know, maybe they'll be greater than the sum of their parts as opposed yep. to having elite talent, giving teams, you know, less to key on. Maybe that is the way they're going to do this. Yeah. And to make it user-friendly, I mean, what have we talked about with wide receivers time immemorial with the Patriots? They can't develop them. Yeah, it's too complicated. It's a, I mean, is it a coincidence that every frigging guy uh, just can't grasp it? Up to and including one of the most intelligent players I've ever be- met in the NFL. He wasn't a wide out, but he was a tight end. Ben Watson had a hell of a time figuring out what the hell to do. He Kendrick Bourne was talking about smart. it last year, too. Make it user-friendly. You know, it, it's terrific that 
that the rest of the league is confused when they line up against you, but you don't want your own guys confused too. So I appreciate it. We're going to start to find out in just a couple of weeks though, right? Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. Tom Curran of NBC Sports. He is one of their Patriots guys and uh, you know, a friend of mine, somebody that I love palling around with. We going out of Gillette Stadium. Thanks so much for hopping on with me, man. All right, buddy. Enjoy. I'm happy to be with you and, and you're going to do great. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. That was Tom E. Curran, Patriots insider for NBC Sports Boston. Great having him on and great to have the rest of you on with me as well for episode one of First in Foxborough. Once again, make sure you download, subscribe, follow, listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts, of course. Follow me at KDThompson5 on Twitter, at KyrieDT on Instagram, and follow the show account First in Foxborough, the F-O-X-B-O-R-O variety on Twitter and Instagram as well. We got more coming for you every single day of the week. That's the best part about it with a couple more amazing guests coming. Stay tuned. Till next time.